Courage is in even shorter supply than genius as the media and political class kowtow to China. Meanwhile, GoFundMe attempts to really allocate funds that were intended for truckers or what you might say, steal from them. That and more all on today's show. You're about to make the jump from the echo chamber into free and independent thought on the subjects of culture, causes, politics, and faith. Courage is the rarest of virtues, and because it is, dishonest and badly motivated people have built a whole cottage industry based upon unopposed lies. We'll get to that in just a minute, but you should know that the Fed has already committed to an interest rate hike, and they've said that before the end of the year, there could be as much as five interest rates hikes. That means that there's no time like the present to go over to our friends over at the Kevin Blair team at Element Funding. So those guys are not only great supporters of the show, but they also give Class A customer service. You can go check them out right now, get pre-qualified for a loan totally for free. And even if they don't service your area directly, they can help you find an Element Funding that does. So go on over to kevinblairteam.com today. Give them a shout and let them know that Indie Thinkers sent you. At a time where we're telling children that they can pick their own gender, that men that they can become women, and that life in the womb is merely a cluster of cells, all this and more are dominating society simply because people are too afraid to oppose those ideas. Now, you may say, oh, don't worry about that, or oh, don't focus on that over there, focus on something over here. And because cowardice is still socially acceptable if you say you're just blowing things off, uh, especially crucial cultural issues, very often, most of these agenda items going on in our society today go unchecked by people that know better. So as a result of this inactivity, badly motivated people are allowed to thrive and proliferate bad ideas because they know that no one will push back. All of this is nothing more than an old tactic to villainize that which is good. Now, by the way, I know the dude who's behind that, but if I tell you that... You may not believe me, so I'll just say that it's... Could it be Satan? So all of this villainizing that which is good is nothing more than an attempt to disorient people who don't have a firm grasp on common sense or are too cowardly to take a stand. And this is easier than you might think. Check this clip out. And work with people who are gay. I don't have any personal bias at all against gay or lesbian people. But unfortunately, as a pastor, you don't represent what you think. You represent what the Bible says. So see, all you have to do is ask unpopular questions to a person who really deeply cares about popularity. And even if they know better, they'll typically fold because they're afraid of just being misunderstood. But there's also a more broad cultural trend underneath all of this stuff that villainizes male characteristics writ large, like courage in a society by labeling it patriarchal. And yes, courage is a male characteristic. Obviously, there are women who are courageous. It's just that in the middle of the night, if a thief breaks into your house and the husband lying next to you in bed says, honey, you go check it out. That dude is not a man. He's a male feminist. If you think that being a feminist makes you any less of a man, you're admitting that your version of masculinity requires the oppression of women. Which in the South, we call a person who lacks testicular fortitude. 
So Christians do know, or at least should know very well, that there are traits that belong specifically to males. And this is why we don't pray to our non-binary gender fluid provider in the clouds. We pray to God, our Father. But of course, there are those, particularly on the left, who wish to view hierarchy in society wherever it is in its many forms through the lens of resentment rather than appreciate the fact that there is a difference between men and women. There is a difference between skill levels, and there is a difference in knowledge at a, in a particular subject. And of course, some of that can change, specifically your knowledge on a subject and not man and woman. But as a result, there are virtues like courage that are being villainized. As a result, courage is in low supply, and now activists fight hard from their radical causes. And fa when faced with the smallest amount of kickback, they retreat to safe spaces, trigger warnings, and cry rooms. Because a professor at Georgetown says something that you don't like. If, if that sounds too specific, it's because a Georgetown professor merely tweeted, quote, objectively, best pick for Biden is Sri Srinivasan. She has identity politics benefit of being first Asian American. But alas, doesn't fit into last intersectional hierarchy, so we'll get lesser black women. Thank heaven for small favors. Okay, so he got in trouble there for the words lesser black woman. And it may have been clumsily written, admittedly, but it's obvious his suggestion is that identity politics chooses based upon identity and not qualification, and that's a disservice to the most qualified. This caused an uproar and made students cry out for cry rooms because they were so shaken. So even if this liberal professor is a racist, like cry rooms? Do you want your blankies and your passies too, babies? Patriarchy or male-influenced society is the only thing standing in the way of these kind of nonsense Marxist ideas. And although I love to expose Marxism, I have to do it here again and say that behind this undermining of the good and the lack of courage in, in society in the face of pressure is is. It's clearly stated as a goal in Marxism and his acolytes. In the last paragraph of the Communist Manifesto, the authors call for the, quote, forcible overthrow of all, all existing social conditions. If you think references to and concerns over Marxism in our society today are overwrought, overplayed, or irrelevant, then you do not know history. An American today, especially a millennial or younger, has little knowledge of anything but prosperity, and it's, and it's made them soft. They know sparingly little of the dangers of totalitarian tendencies, the horrors of socialism, and its brother, communism. So here's a rock star pastor who shares this very concern. Consequence, worshiping God in church now is now political. You, you, you have to wear a mask, you have to take a mask off. You have to sing, you can't sing. You can only have vaccine on stage. You can only have six people. I'm like, wait for a second. What is going on? C come on people, this is not conspiracy. I, I came from the future. I came here as a refugee. I'm t from Egypt because my dad was preaching the gospel and they're gonna kill us. I'm telling you right now, what is going on right now is government becoming God. Now this pastor says he's a voice from the future. In other words, I've seen before what's going on in my country, and specifically he's talking about Australia, and it doesn't end well. All the PR from the left about their intentions, any discussion of justice and equity are really often just covers for the real goal of getting us to become subjects of their ideas. I don't know what his family went through, but his concern is valid, is that there are those who have bad motivations, 
And if we don't act, we will become aware of their motivations and we will experience the fruit of our inactivity. But Marx was not only a confessed Satan worshiper, but a hater of religious communities, not to mention incredible racists. Why? Because part of the destruction of all existing conditions is the destruction of traditional gender roles and even the church as an institution. Because Marxists view everything through the lens of power and resentment of any power, they believe that the church is a hierarchical institution and is a threat to them. So they claim, uh, very often Marxists claim, that the church in America was genocidal by nature. The society they crafted was intended to elevate white, male, cisgender Christians in society. Now, they say we have a pseudo-state-run religion and that observance of modern-day Christianity is a tool to preserve white supremacy. And they say every injustice can be laid at the feet of this power imbalance created by white Christians in the founding of America. All of this is gobbledygook. It's nonsense language to try to move away social bedrocks in our society. Now, all of this rhetoric works on simple-minded people, but dissolves right in your hand when you actually start thinking about it. Competition is good. Hierarchy is like actually very good for in society very often. It provides the necessary structure for working toward a goal of self-improvement that otherwise would not be there, like starting at a job and then learning from those who have been there before you. The church is a useful institution in the same way for encouraging a set of standard values by which a society can be shaped and held together. This is why we're seeing a society unravel before us because the left has villainized moral virtues. And John Adams said this. He told us what would happen if we follow down this path. He said, our constitution was made only for a moral and religious people. It is wholly inadequate for the government of any other. So at a time when Christians and freedom-loving people are pressured more than ever to remain silent, and listen to a vocal minority that shouts the loudest. I say stand up, put your shoulders back, and take a stand for something, or else you'll look like those in today's headlines. Let's jump to it. So godless politicians like Pelosi warn the U.S. athletes not to criticize China during the Olympics. So Pelosi is not alone in her cowardice, of course. She might be listening to Eric Swalwell specifically, but she's not alone, and there might be others who aren't listening to Eric Swalwell. Uh, because a regular over at ESPN is joining in on the fun, so here's a clip of that. Who are we to criticize China's human rights records when we have ongoing uh, attacks by the agents of the state against unarmed citizens, and we've got assaults on the voting rights of, of our people of color in various states in this country. So so let me get this straight from this incredibly brilliant man. We can't criticize a nation with over a million Uyghur Muslims in re-education camps that are being forcibly sterilized by the Chinese government because something like people in Georgia are being asked to prove their identity when they vote, or better yet, those who are practicing electioneering um, from the vote for Joe Biden campaign or whoever it may be can't offer water or food or drinks to people in line while they're waiting to vote. So r really, uh, to compare these two things is absolutely ridiculous. And then let's even take the other point, because I don't want people to jump in the comment section and say, oh, yes, well, you forgot about the unarmed citizens who are being shot and killed in America. Of course, travesty but still not on par with, with what's going on in China, to, to say the least. 15 unarmed black men being shot by the police in 2019 hardly amounts to 
millions of people being imprisoned because of their because of their religion and because of their racial ethnicity. I thought you guys cared about uh, uh, lives. Well, apparently not. It only they only care about it if it fits their agenda. So the the point is is that if you wanted to find an equivalence, you could in America. It's called abortion. Over a million babies aborted every year, and uh, per capita, vastly more of those minority babies than there are white babies in terms of the total population. So yeah, if you wanted to create an issue, civil rights issue, a humanitarian crisis of sorts, you could have chosen that one, but instead, you chose about the most ridiculous one that you can, because we all know the real truth, that the left and ideologues who, whether they practice Marxism proper or they've been indoctrinated by the academy and don't even know that they believe in Marxist ridiculous ideas, those people aren't really interested in real injustice. They're only interested in securing power for themselves. And the way this works for, for many people, so that we can just roll the tape back a little bit and just say, hey, this the way this works writ large in society is that there is cultural power that comes to you because you're an activist, because you stand up for something that uh, you can find other people to, to join you in. And hey, I'm all for it, if the cause is just. And there's a way of determining that. I know we, in our postmodern society, we don't think there is. But if your cause is just, hey, stand up for it, fight for it, and, 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 and take a stand, and, and make sure your voice is heard. However, if you're elevating a minority opinion that isn't just and isn't good and is motivated badly, and you're doing it just so that you can draw attention to yourself. By the way, I, I said this very often on the show. Modern day cutting is, uh, sorry, uh, modern day activism is cutting of the past. It is our way in our moment of moving away from God so deeply, even in Christian circles. Uh, and by that, I mean not moving away from our faith, but moving away from Christian ideas. It is this process of moving away from those things that has brought us to a place where we no longer understand Christian virtue. And as a result of it, we're desperate for meaning. Uh, we don't understand the, the real role of the church in America and, and in societies at large. We don't understand the, the importance of the proclamation of the gospel. We've exchanged all of these things for social justice causes. Because why? At the end of the day, they feel good. They're, they're short-term results with long-term dastardly effects. So all you have to do is you just have to peddle a little bit of lies about history and a little bit of lies about the founding of our nation. And you just have to peddle in a little bit of arm-twisting. Um, and, and look what you get in return. You get people liking your stuff on social media. You get to say that you're actually living for something. And that all of this is a desperate attempt to, attempt to live for something when we can't even take care of our own backyard. And I would suggest that the reason for this inability comes again back to the fact that we've moved away from the source of authentic meaning in a society. Needless to say, it is a joke to pretend that the left actually cares about injustice. If the left really were so interested in injustice, why do people like Pelosi go on silent mode on China? The left is so obsessed with power, not because they care about its negative effects, but rather because they are so desperate for it. We're watching reporters being dragged away in China right now who are just reporting on the Olympics, and they're being dragged away by police officers on live TV. 
Now, this is more of a bad look than anything because I think they were just trying to get, get these people away and move them on. But, but it's a stark reminder that this place doesn't like freedom. But be quiet about China and extend government pressure to censor Joe Rogan like this. This disclaimer, it's a positive step, but we want every platform to continue doing more to call out mis and disinformation while also uplifting accurate information. But ultimately, uh, you know, our view is it's a, it's, a, it's a good step, it's a positive step, but there's more that can be done. What's a government employee doing threatening a private citizen by telling their employer that there's more that can be done to censor them? Really? Like what exactly? It's odd, isn't it, that they get so bold when it comes to American citizens, but so childlike in the face of real threats? It's almost like they're bullies or something. It's almost like they don't care about existential threats. They care about threats to their narrative and to their stranglehold over the state-run media complex. Really, the reason they don't want to rebuke China is because they, they learn so much from China on how to control the media. But of course, they're just serving you and looking out for your best interests. All right, let's jump into the next headline. So churches have changed during the pandemic and many aren't going back. So this is according to the Wall Street Journal, and they do a really good job of kind of highlighting some some statistics. And so the number and so the, the report goes like this. The number of church growers has steadily dropped in the US over the past few decades. But COVID-19 and its lockdown restrictions accelerated that fall. In-person church attendance is roughly 30 to 50% lower than it was before the pandemic, estimates Barna Group, a research firm that studies faith in the U.S. Barna Group's research suggests that tens of thousands of churches are at risk of closing because of membership declines and other long-term problems that the pandemic made worse. A dip in tithes and offerings is forcing some to prepare to close permanently. So, Fewer staff members and smaller programs means that the church is in a real state of disarray in the midst of this pandemic. Now, to be sure, some churches are thriving, especially those who had kind of a leg up on the technology department and were ready to move to, to distance uh, services. But, but there are many churches who were shuttered by this pandemic and are struggling to get back on their feet. And so the real question is this, is not, do you like Christianity? Do you like the church or not? The real question is, is what are the implications of the church, a, a long-held institution in America, being impacted so deeply by this pandemic? Already we can see, according to what Wall Street Journal is trying to portray, is that the shuttering of the church has equated to seemingly a lack of people professing faith in America. Now, again, we were headed down this road prior to the pandemic. But the pandemic exacerbated things in a, in a radical way. And so here's my musings on this subject. There is a certain political party that has expressly stated that they love crisis because it provides for them the necessary prerequisite to fundamentally change things. Now, if you want to ascribe a good motive to somebody who's saying such things, you're certainly welcome to do so. I would call it at least mildly naive to suggest that when a person says that they can manipulate a crisis for their own political gain and for their own political purposes, I would say the best mode of action from that point in time is to be cautious. And so I just want to stretch back into history just for a moment, just to show you this, that Crisis has been the fertile ground for revolutionary change throughout history. 
In fact, it was Lenin who really did this very, very well. Whenever World War I came around and some of the former peasants who didn't have the ability to own guns uh, were armed for the first time, Lenin said, hey, this is our time for our Marxist revolution, so turn on your generals, kill them, and let's create our Marxist utopia here in Russia. Now, Lenin would go on to try to find as many possible ways as he as he could to try to undermine society and its institutions through the use of crisis. Now, his buddy Stalin did this much, much better because he was much more bloodthirsty and murderous. And so when Stalin saw that he could mechanize some things and create an industrial revolution, but there were wealthy landowners standing in his way, well, of course, he then ordered the extermination of the kulaks and uh, hundreds of thousands of people were murdered, which ultimately led to the Holodomor, which led to the starvation of millions of people because now there were no more people to work those farms that Stalin had just immediately gained overnight by killing all the people who owned those farms. And all of this was done on the predicate of the fact that the, the kulaks were oppressive and the kulaks were the rich and we need to get rid of the rich and destroy them because they're taking your fair share. Uh, and so he used class warfare as a way in which to implement Marxist revolution. So in other words, the playbook for using crisis to implement radical change is nothing new. And so, suffice to say, it makes one wonder whether or not that could happen to here in, in our society as it pertains to church. If this crisis undermines a staple of our institution, what do we become? Now, for those of you who are atheists, for those of you who are agnostics, for those of you who uh, haven't actually in, encountered very intellectual and thoughtful arguments for the existence of God and the necessity of Christ. Maybe you haven't bu bumped your head against the wall enough to recognize you need some help bigger than yourself. I, I would still caution you to just think about this. One, the bad motives of those who wish to use crisis for their own gain. But then two, we don't know what America looks like as a post-Christian society. All we have is a glimpse in the future at maybe what has happened by looking at what has happened in the past, but also too, maybe by looking at some of the cultural phenomena of our day, by looking at the trans movement, by looking at the uh, radical agenda of Black Lives Matter to destroy the nuclear family and other things like that. And if there isn't enough troubling things going on in society, society today, then then I, I'm not sure that we're ever going to get to the place where we start to question the role of church and society. Perhaps we need to get back to the place where we understood that even if you're not a Christian, the church played an important role for each and every one of us. Our founding fathers knew that. And contrary to the Marxist lie, our founding fathers weren't all patriarchal, Indian-killing, godless white supremacists. Actually, some of them were really, really good people who would never do harm to anyone. Of course, there is an exception to that, as there is to everything and to every society in history. But we have to understand history writ large and what America has meant to the known world. And the way it has changed the known world is absolutely fascinating. Do not take for granted how amazing it is that we have something like due process. How much easier it would be to just kill people or who are accused of a crime rather than to presume them innocent. Do not take for granted the fact that we have the ability to own our own land. This wasn't always the way. Kings would come by and kill you if they wanted your land, and they would do so gladly. But 
but but American systems of government and American ideas, and most of all, underneath that, Christian ideas, have made such an incredible impact in society that cannot be underestimated. So the crisis we're facing and the impact that it's having on the church needs to be recognized. All right, let's move on to our final headline. Now, contrary to our former stories, we have some courageous men and women who are taking a stand right now. And so I wanted to end kind of our headline segment, at least, on a positive note. So right now, the Ottawa police vowed a crackdown on dangerous trucker protests that praised, that were just praised by Trump. So, of course, anything that Trump praises is obviously bad. And there have been very limited murmurings of things going on, broken glass, um, limited acts of violence. And of course, whether or not these things are directly associated to the truckers is still yet to be seen in what's really going on. Because if you do the due diligence, and I encourage you to do so, always go to our uh, our show notes and, and you can see the sources we're using, but look them up for yourself. Don't take my word for it. Think for yourself. That's what the show is all about. But, uh, but you can go online and you can think for yourself on this issue. Go and look at the supposedly violent things that are coming out of the trucker protest in Canada right now. And you will find sparingly little information about what's actually taking place. So I, let's just assume for a moment that there is some minor occurrences of bad behavior of violence, of, of, uh, of things that are unsavory for these truckers to do. It's obviously so sparingly little that it's really, really hard to find actual accounts of these things. But nonetheless, the Ottawa police are vowing to crack down on these dangerous trucker protests. So the real question is, is how dangerous are they? Now, of course, we have a reference point here. Thank God for the summer of 2020. Because, of course, we saw Black Lives Matter take to the street, and in the name of social justice and in the name of George Floyd, they were able to, in the midst of a pandemic, twerk in the street, burn down buildings, attack people, riot and loot stores. Now, just because I, I, I feel like I'll defend myself, at least on this one, just to say this, that, yes, obviously— not everybody that was doing this was part of the Black Lives Matter organization, but the Black Lives Matter movement itself is riddled with this kind of nonsense. And the only reason I bring this up is because it's a reference point for what actual danger looks like when people gather together to protest. But yet we are not seeing anything close to that. But yet, but yet, according to The Guardian, GoFundMe has now removed the trucker's donation page, and they're going to refund that money to the people who gave it. And according to The Guardian, $9 million was on that page. I think it's closer to $10 million. I've heard both figures. But needless to say, a lot of money was donated to these truckers in Canada as a result of what they're doing. And originally, GoFundMe had said they're going to reappropriate those funds based upon the desire of those of those who are leading the truckers' movement, but then later said that they would just go back and refund that money. Now, here's the real problem with that, regardless of the way it works out, is that money was intended to go help these people, and they've absolutely stripped away this funding. Now, I remember back in 2020 when we had political candidates and political people like Kamala Harris saying that they would raise money to help bail people out of jail. But yet GoFundMe is finding it necessary to, to take away this money from these truckers because, well, we know why. Because we understand that this is the lifeblood for these truckers and that they need support if they're going to continue what they're doing. And so GoFundMe is taking that away from them. 
I think that's undeniable. And of course, there are people that are going to um, deny that. But the only thing that I can use to kind of push back and prove what I'm saying is to just simply remind you of 2020. And Elon Musk did this on his Twitter page, comparing what took place in Chaz Chop in Seattle to what the truckers are doing. Of course, the police didn't even want to go into Chaz Chop. And, and I should, I guess, entertain the acronym for just a moment in case people don't remember uh, what uh, Chaz Chop was. But Chaz Chop was an autonomous zone in the midst of Seattle where a portion of downtown was totally taken over by public citizens. And it was barricaded off and it was so dangerous and so bad that not only were people being shot, but the police said that they wouldn't even go in to Chaz Chop. Now, of course, glowing coverage from the media. The chop is the Capitol Hill uh, occupied protest. The police uh, left this zone and we wanted to maintain this location in order to protest for the, the goals of the Black Lives Matter movement. The message of chop when it comes to police brutality is that uh, communities can protect ourselves. We've got community gardens, we've got uh, two kitchens, we've got um, multiple first aid stations. You know, any conflicts that have occurred, we've handled expeditiously. The media covers stories like the gardening that's happening in Chaz Chop, but doesn't want to talk about any of the violence that's going on there. Thank God for courageous people, not only like these truckers, but Elon Musk, who is willing to push back against the nonsense. And again, I might remind you guys that Joe Rogan, Elon Musk, they're not your enemies. Bill Maher, they're not your enemies. They're just voices of common sense and probably firmly, I don't know Elon, but the, the other two guys, firmly on the left and firmly on the liberal side of things, I guess I should say. But then we have also people taking a stand like Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. God bless that man. And he threatened to investigate GoFundMe after they withheld those funds from the protesters and said that they're going to redistribute those funds. Now, thankfully, that little bit of pressure caused GoFundMe to say, instead of redistributing the funds, what we're going to do is we're just going to re uh reimburse those people who have given those funds. So those people who donated, it's going to go back to them. But again, I take I take exception to that because here's the deal, is that those funds should have gone to where they were intended to go to, not be refunded back to the people who gave them. That page never should have been taken off. So again, there may be issues in instances of violence. It will nowhere near compare to what took place in the summer of 2020. So what's the real issue here? Again, we're seeing that the media complex is inundated by the left, and therefore, when they find it necessary to stand up for something that fits their narrative, they will pour out no lack of effort to try to make sure that they pander to that story, misrepresent that story, and refuse to tell the truth about that story. But when something rises up and it happens not to necessarily fit their narrative or fit the, the government's controlled narrative with those who are actually taking a stand against this vaccine mandate in Canada, well, then, of course, we have to do whatever we can to stop these people. I hope people like DeSantis do go through, even though GoFundMe's kind of backed down, I hope they do go through with that investigation because I would love to know what was the real precursor to them actually moving uh, that page away from their website. So nonetheless, we may never know, but it's in times like this where we desperately need people to understand your courage matters. 
the there are powers that be that are going to try to knock you down and push you back and try to stop you. Do not be easily deterred. Stand up for what is right. Do it the right way. I heard Jordan Peterson say this, so I think it's worth mentioning. Whatever is going on up there in, in Canada, um, I would encourage peaceful, non-resistant, friendly, jovial protest because you're standing up for what's right and you've got the truth on your side, so you don't need force on your side. Do what's right and right will come at the end of the day. And do not back down just because you're threatened. Do not back down just because your cause experiences minor setbacks. Stand up for what's right. We need more people with more courage, just like you. So praise God for DeSantis, Elon Musk, and even for people like Joe Rogan. And, uh, and since I know Joe listens to my podcast, he's very selective. Um, he only likes the best. I would just say this, Joe, we're praying for you, buddy. And while that may not mean a whole lot to you, just know this. Right now, your courage and your, your fortitude is being tested. There are people who got your back and are in your corner, man. All right, let's jump to our final segment, Christianity Not Today. So as you can probably tell by the package that I just showed you in, in our segment, Christianity Not Today, I love poking fun at things that are supposedly supposed to represent Christianity, but they do not represent Christianity, Christianity today, nor do they ever, which is, by the way, the same way I feel about Christianity Today, the publication. So um, very often I will show uh, kind of unscriptural, ridiculous things that do not have a place in Christianity and try to put some commentary on that, uh, or at least my perspective on some commentary on things that are happening in the Christian world today that don't really represent Christianity. However, today, um, as we're ending on a positive note with the truckers, I also get the opportunity to kind of share with you guys something that is that has been beneficial to me that I think will be beneficial to you. I get to show you a pastor, and I've already made mention of him uh, earlier in the show, that I just think is an absolute just treasure to the body of Christ right now. And so here's a clip from Andrew Sedra preaching to his church in just the best uh, sermon series that I've ever heard of recently, but good luck trying to find that on Lifeway Resources or any other pastoral resources, but he's preaching a sermon series on woke Jesus. And uh, so here's just a little bit of that. The Bible is not progressive because the Bible is perfect. And the Bible does not change with time because the Bible is eternal. The Bible is not progressive because the Bible is perfect. The Bible does not change with time because the Bible is universal. The Bible is not evolving because the Bible is the perfect, infallible truth, word of God. Can I get an amen? That's why Jesus is the word of God. See. Jesus didn't just preach the Bible, Jesus was the Bible. Uh, Jesus is the Word of God. In fact, the Bible is the clearest way you will ever know who Jesus is. It, it's not going to get clearer than this. This is the clearest way. And that's the problem with progressive pastors. They think they're smarter than the Bible. Like, I, I decided that I'm going to get rid of that verse because I'm so smart. You know, I'm so smart. And, and it's, it's actually Christian atheism. Why? Because they think they're more evolved than good old monkey Paul. God, I love that dude. I mean, seriously, this is what courage looks like right here. Now, this is courage because he's flying in the face of mainstream narrative. And 
whether you, you may not know this about Christians, Christians are so desperate for cultural acceptance. Here's why, because for the longest time we've been on the outskirts of culture, and as our world moves into a more post-Christian era, we think the way to win people is by winning cultural credibility. And in the process of our des- desperate desire to be liked, we're like that super uncool kid at the party that's just that comes up to the to the popular kids and says, "Hey guys, what you doing? Can I hang out with you?" Um, and we're so desperate to be accepted that we're willing to compromise the truth left and right. And so pastors like this, are unfortunately far too rare. And because of it, um, the vast majority of pastors want to find a sense of community, and the way that they do that is by going with the mainstream. Now, here's a problem with that. Christianity doesn't really flow in the mainstream well. It, it rests in the margins really, really well, because Jesus believed things that flew in the face of modern society. And, uh, and, and it's still the same today. So we can try to polish Christianity. We can try to dress it up the best that we can. We can put it in skinny jeans, and we can put it in leather jackets. But if it doesn't come from Scripture, then what you actually have is a cultural fabrication that you're calling Christianity, but really isn't Christianity at all. And Andrew Sedra is, is bringing this to the fore, and he's finally talking to us. And in a way that I think we need to hear right now in society, especially as there is this creeping progressivism and this creeping leftism inundating the church in a very soft, soft way with things like the therapeutic moral deism of just being a better person or getting your best life now and 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 how to self-improve yourself using Jesus as your tool to do so. All of this is flooding the church today, this this positive mental attitude message is flooding the church today and taking us further and further away from Scripture. So here's my question to you as we close out the show today, is do you go to a church with a pastor who loves the Word of God like Andrew Sedra does? When was the last time you heard a message about God's Word? Not idolizing God's Word, understanding that we can worship the Bible and, and, and not worship Jesus, understanding that, but also understanding the clear reality of Christian truth, which is that the Bible is our only authoritative, uh, irrefutable source of doctrine for Christian doctrine right? So we can look to the patristics, we can look to theologians, we can look to all of those things, but the Bible stands alone as our source, our proof text for all things authoritative Christian scripture. And so it's right and good for us to hear pastors like this man who's talking about the importance of getting back to the Bible and getting back to understanding scriptural truths. Because if we don't, all we have is your opinion and my opinion. This is why I'm even calling for a theocracy once again. Just kind of kidding, a little bit. But what, what I am saying is I am calling for, on my show very, very often, I'm calling for a return to biblically shared ethics, even among those who are not Christians, because we recognize the deteriorating fabric of our society, and we recognize that there was a thing that used to hold us together. And if we're willing to accept that objective fact, then we don't even have to agree upon Jesus initially, but we can agree upon things that are good and right and just, and that their source comes from Christian scripture. And in the process of not doing that, we're tearing each other apart and we're tearing our society apart. And so this is why we need to return to scripture. We need to return to pastors who stand up boldly and refuse to buy into the mainstream narrative that contradicts Bible and contradicts objective fact, not to mention biological reality. We need pastors and Christians who are strong enough to stand up for this stuff 
And by the way, guys, if I don't say it enough, forgive me, there are men and women out there doing this very thing. So go on and check Andrew Sedra's page out. He's Andrew Sedra, Echo Church in Sydney, Australia. The man is absolutely fire. Well, I hope you enjoyed all of that stuff. I hope more importantly that you enjoy standing and being courageous and letting no one back you down from your position if it is rooted in Scripture and rooted in truth. Thanks so much for watching. Catch you next time. You can catch brand new episodes of Indie Thinker with Reed Huberman every Monday and weekly bonus episodes to keep you thinking throughout the week. But you have to subscribe and click the bell to be notified when new episodes drop. If you enjoy this content, make sure to like this video and share it with friends. 